This week, Christianity Today, one of the popular uh, magazines on Christian issues and culture, Christianity Today, published a study, published an article reporting on the results of a study uh, that happens every couple of years. It's organized by, I had to look up how to pronounce the name of this Pennsylvania town, Ligonier Ministries, and Lifeway Research does this study every couple of years. And it's a survey-style study, and it seeks to measure how likely the average American churchgoer is to hold some kind of theological belief that would be traditionally considered to be heresy. Okay? It's a pretty interesting read. You know, I'm always fascinated by any kind of research that has to do with human thought and behavior and psychology and all of that stuff. So if you're like me, you can go check that out, Christianity Today. I think it was published on Friday. It's an interesting read, the things that, they, that they've gone through and, and kind of pulled out. But one item in particular stood out to me, given what I had already intended to talk about this week. So the doctrine of the Trinity, the three-in-one nature of God, while admittedly that is a super complex and somewhat mysterious thing, it is absolutely one of the most orthodox items of theology that there is. Um, Orthodox basically meaning that within the church, capital C, over time, over centuries, this this is the doctrine that is generally accepted to be, you know, the right one. It's the consensus, you know, people argued about it and stabbed each other in the eyeballs years ago fighting about this stuff and have decided, you know, these are the things that, you know, are the main and the plain things like we talked about last week. So the divine being that we refer to as God is expressed in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and Holy Spirit. You would be hard-pressed to find any kind of organized Christian tradition where this doctrine was up for debate. I mean, there's some, there's always some, but this is just generally speaking, not really up for debate. Yet a large number of respondents to this survey, 66%, two-thirds of people that participated in this study, they agreed with the statement that the Holy Spirit is a force, not a personal being that is equal to the Father and to the Son in the Trinity. And what's more, I checked, because I was curious. Again, I'm kind of a nerd about statistics and stuff like that. So I checked. I looked back at the study that they'd done two years ago, and that number's actually increased by 10%. So more people are in the position of having an incomplete understanding of the Holy Spirit, who he is, his nature, and his role in our lives. And I I find that to be heartbreaking, But I think I understand a little bit about why that happens, and that'll be part of our discussion today as we're continuing in our series that we're calling Vineyard 101, working through some of the the culture and the beliefs of what makes a vineyard a vineyard. Today we're going to talk about who the Holy Spirit is, how he functions in our life, and how we can partner with him, as we say in the vineyard, in a naturally supernatural way. We'll start by looking at a passage where Jesus discusses these very things with his disciples. If you came in without a Bible, we have some in the windowsill. You can consider that our gift to you if you don't have one at home. We also have Wi-Fi available. Please feel free to use your phone or your tablet 
and the words will always be on the screen uh, behind me as well. So we're going to look at John chapter 14, verses 16 and 17 first here. Jesus said in verse 16, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Now this passage is part of the conversation that Jesus is having with his disciples at the Last Supper, that Passover meal that he ate with them just really soon before his death. Notice how he assures them, you know him, for he lives with you and he will be in you. A couple of chapters later, this is still the same conversation, but Jesus goes so far as to say this. Chapter 16 of John, verse 7. But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. It is good for you that I am going away. Sometimes I think, I I just think about that. What would the disciples have thought when they first heard Jesus' statement? I mean, what a ridiculous thing to say. What a ridiculous thing to say. But not, not if you understand it within the framework of the great big story of God as, as a part of the narrative of the whole of Scripture. And we've been talking over the last couple of weeks about kingdom theology. If you understand in the context of kingdom theology that Jesus' life, his death, and his resurrection... We're all about restoring everything that had been broken and shattered and ruined and stolen through the fall of man. And we talked about how Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, one of the things he was accomplishing was was allowing us to have that unhindered access to God, God the Father. But he was also accomplishing the same thing, allowing us to have a mechanism where we could have unhindered access to God, the Holy Spirit, as well. And Jesus said that was a really good thing. It was such a good thing that it was good that he would die. The Holy Spirit is fully divine, a personal being that is equal to the Father and to the Son, So what are some of the implications of that reality? Why, why does that matter? Continuing in John 16, verse 13, Jesus is still speaking to his disciples, same conversation, just a little bit further in the passage. When he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. Jesus said, he will glorify me, because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. 
All that belongs to the Father is mine, says Jesus. That is why I said, the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known from you. Do you, do you see the, the chain, the connection? I think this is such a good bottom line verse about the function of the Holy Spirit. He will guide us in truth, including, don't, don't miss this, what is yet to come. He will glorify Jesus and he will be something of like a spiritual translator. A translator from the Father's heart to ours. And to those around us, through us, as we partner with him. The Holy Spirit is like a translator. Making known to us what he hears from the Father and from the Son. I love that picture. I love the picture of the Holy Spirit as the translator because for me that really helps as a starting point for all of the rest of it. It's this piece of clarity. We need this clarity. Many of you know this. If you have any other history or church background, um, when it comes to teaching about the Holy Spirit in in the church, capital C, there is shall we say, a wide variety of teaching and practice out there. There is a lot of differences. And some of it is helpful and it's amazing. And some of it is unhelpful and not so amazing. And there's everything in between. Lots of, lots of variations. But when we start from this place, this place of clarity, and we understand that actually... Clarity is the goal of partnering with the Holy Spirit. We realize that ideally, the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the fruit of the Holy Spirit are all tools that help make God more easily known and understood. The gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit, those are tools that help us make God more easily known and understood. So the question becomes, how well do you think we're doing with this? If the Ligonier study is to be believed, not super well. Not really great. But I have my suspicions about why those statistics are on the rise. I think that by and large, the church, again, capital C, we're not really talking about this. And, and in the places where it is being talked about, maybe it's being talked about in a way that's, that's not really helpful. It's not being talked about at all in a context where you would find a cessationist theology. That is, people that believe that all of the miracles and all of the acts of the Holy Spirit, those, those were for a certain time during the, old, the, during the early church and uh, during the time of the apostles. And now we don't need that anymore. So it stopped because now we have the Bible and so we don't need the gifts of the Holy Spirit. That's cessationist theology. And so they just don't really talk about it at all because it doesn't seem like it's relevant. And in many Pentecostal settings, the gifts of the Spirit are engaged in in such a way as it can sometimes be off-putting to people who are not used to that, that style and that context. If they're unfamiliar with that approach, sometimes it's hard to push through the discomfort to engage with the Holy Spirit. So, if we believe, if 
You and I believe that the Holy Spirit is actively partnering with believers today, but we understand that our goal in doing so is to make God more understandable and not less so. What do we do? How do we navigate this tension? So we in the vineyard embrace an approach to Holy Spirit-empowered lifestyle and ministry, which is naturally supernatural. Naturally supernatural. Now, the concept of being naturally supernatural, just like everything we're talking about in this series, these are like teasers. These are like commercials for these very important and very deep concepts. And so, again, we have a book recommendation for you and and your grape. That book, Naturally Supernatural by Gary Best, is a fantastic read. There's some stuff available through Vineyard Resources. You, You can dig as deep as you want when it comes to this topic. If you've ever experienced prayer ministry from one of our trained prayer team members, you'll, you'll understand kind of the feel of naturally supernatural. But this morning, we've, we've only just always got a little bit of time. And so I want to keep it simple and I, I want to keep it practical. To be naturally supernatural, it just means that we are connected with the Holy Spirit on a regular basis We're tuned in to connecting with what he is doing, both in our own hearts and in the lives of those around us. It's it's a mindset of noticing what's going on. And we're trying not to overcomplicate it. Jesus told his followers that they would do greater works than he did. And we hear that and we say, no, there's no way. There's no way, I, that, not me, that's too intimidating, it's too much. I don't know how, I don't know how to do that. It is a good thing that we have the Holy Spirit who will guide us in all truth and will teach us. This is one of the first things that he teaches us is that we can do this. We can partner with the Holy Spirit in a naturally supernatural way. There doesn't need to be so much pressure to over-spiritualize things. Because a huge part of this concept of being naturally supernatural is that you can be yourself as you allow the Holy Spirit to speak through you. You're not trying to you know, manufacture, duplicate what you see in some other person. God has wired you and made you in a certain and particular way. And that is the way the Holy Spirit will flow through you and work with you. Being yourself. There's no need for hype of any kind. It doesn't work better if you get particularly loud. Some people are louder than others. I'm kind of a quiet person, and so when I pray, I'm quiet. Sometimes if you see my husband bounce around during service and pray for something, you can hear him over the music because he's just that kind of person. But that's each of us flowing with the Holy Spirit, it being ourselves. Did you know that when you pray for someone, you don't suddenly have to start speaking in 15th century English? Do you ever use the word thou in your daily life? I mean, if you do, that's cool. Like, do you. But if you don't, you don't have to do that when you pray. We don't have to make a big scene 
No hype. We don't need any hype. The point is the Holy Spirit is with us always and he is always ready to partner with us, with us, to transform our lives and to help us to spread the transforming power of love to the people that we come in contact with. Love. Love is what we're going to end with today. We could talk about other things. There are a lot of things we could talk about. I could tell you stories of the miracles that I've seen. I could tell you stories about prophetic words that I've gotten over the years just changed the trajectory of my life in amazing ways. I could tell you those stories. We could talk about casting out demons. We could talk about inner healing. We could talk about the ways the Holy Spirit sometimes manifests himself physically. All that flashy woohoo stuff that can be really, really fun, really dramatic, really cool. Because those things are important. Those are all things that we in the vineyard, make space for and leave room for and want to explore as a body of believers. But we'll leave those things for another time. Because sometimes we really need to take a step back. And most of the time, lately, if I'm being honest, I really feel like that's true, that we need to take a step back. So I've been watching the news the last couple weeks, last couple of months, last couple of years, last couple of decades. I mean, I don't know. I watch the news. And this week, I just, even yesterday, just felt just exhausted. Just completely exhausted. I used to get super angry. Like that was the dominant emotion a lot of the time was just being angry. And and don't get me wrong, I still get angry sometimes. But mostly, I am just worn out and worn down from all of the hatred that I see flowing freely in our world. And we've got... We have got to be real about this. We have got to be real. Listen, I am not talking, you guys know me, I am not talking to anyone at the level of your politics, your opinions on the issues and the subjects of our day. Do not check out on me. I do want to speak to you on the level of a follower of Jesus which I assume that most of us in this room are because you got up early on a Sunday morning and you came here to listen to me talk. When Paul talks to the Corinthian church about spiritual gifts, he has an important disclaimer for them. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 31, Paul says, Now, Eagerly desire 
the greater gifts. Yes, we should want to experience prophecy and healing and miracles and tongues and all of the things that God has to offer. I want everything that God has to offer me that will facilitate my relationship with him. Yes, Paul says, desire the gifts. And yet, I will show you the most excellent way. Moving on to chapter 13, verse 1. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal, just an obnoxious noise. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor, give over my own body to hardship that I may boast, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. And you guys probably know the rest of that chapter. That's that description of love that we often hear, but seldom fully live up to. And the truth today is, if we are not loving those around us, none of the rest of this matters. We have nothing and we are nothing. And who is it that Jesus asked us to love? It's a good idea to take a step back here as well, I think, to remind ourselves sometimes from time to time what it is that Jesus expects of us. Luke chapter 6, verse 27. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. And pray for those who mistreat you. Skipping down to verse 32. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But again, Jesus says, Verse 35, love your enemies, do good to them, lend to them without expecting to get anything back, and then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and to the wicked. So you, be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. This is the most excellent way. A love for all of humanity. There is not one single person on this planet 
whom God has not called you to love. Not a single one. And this is not some fuzzy, utopian pipe dream. This is the foundation of our entire faith. It is the cause for which our Savior allowed himself to be brutally tortured and put to death. So that not one person would have to be lost to the darkness of this world. Not one person. So how dare we look at someone and say they are the exception. Jesus is madly in love with people who are different from me. Different from you. With the people that I despise. With the people that you despise. With the people that we are afraid of. Jesus is madly in love with the people that we are afraid of. And he calls us as his followers without apology, without equivocation. He calls us to model this same sacrificial love. The love that's hard. That costs us something. Sometimes it costs us everything. And lest you think that I'm way off topic here, let me remind you that love is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's the first fruit of the Holy Spirit. And I would argue that it is the fruit of the Holy Spirit that we most desperately need to be empowered with. If we as the church are to have any hope of continuing to be effective in sharing the gospel with the world around us. Love. Love. Sometimes love is the most supernatural thing of all. And it is my prayer that above all else, Love would be the thing that would flow most naturally out of us as we here in this community allow the Holy Spirit to guide us into all truth. May we love well. Let's pray.